0: Morning, church. Morning. Pastor Leonard sent his regards. Today he's not here this morning with us. He's preaching in Sherry's Baptist Church. So let us pray as we receive the Word of God this morning. Let's pray. Father God, we want to thank you, Lord, for reminding us once again, Father, that we are your children. And truly, there's no fear, Lord. Even as we receive your word this morning, Father, we want to pray that your Word will capture our hearts and also our mind. Father, reveal yourself to us, and we pray for the Holy Spirit to soften our hearts as we listen to what you want us to hear this morning. Let us experience your love, encounter you, O oh Lord, this morning. We pray all this in Jesus' name, Amen, Amen. You know, a group of professionals posed this question to a group of four to eight years old little children: What does it mean to love? So I'm gonna share with you their responses and joy. You know, these are the group of four to eight years old children. They say, Noel H seven say this: "Love is when you tell a guy you like his shirt that he wears it every day." Rebecca H eight says, "You know, when my grandma got arthritis, she couldn't bend over to paint her toenails anymore." So, my granddad does it for her now and all the time, even when his hands got arthritis too. That is love. Billy, age four, says, When someone loves you, the way this person calls you or even says your name is different, you know that your name is safe and it sounds pretty sweet in their mouth. Chris, age six, says, Love is when you go out to eat and give someone most of your fries without making them give you any of theirs. Emily said this about the parents, and she's eight years old. She said love is when you kiss all the time. And when you get tired of kissing, you still want to be together and you talk more. You know, my mommy and my daddy are like that. And she ended this, they look gross when they kiss." Then Nicole H 6 says, "If you want to learn to love better, you should start with a friend who you hate." May N age 4 It says, "Love is when your puppy licks your face, even when you left him alone all day." The list goes on, the interview goes on, and the winner was a four-year-old boy whose next-door neighbors was an elderly man who had just lost his wife. Then the child, the boy, saw the man cry. The little boy went over into their house, climbed on top of the man's lap, and he just sat there. And when the mom asked him what he would say to the elderly neighbor, the little boy said, nothing. I just helped him cry. So what does it mean to love for you? You know, we are in this series of God is Love this month. In in fact, not only this month, I was reminded by the worship team, right, that it has been for seven months that we're talking about God's love, 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 right? And um, especially this month, the past few weeks, we heard about what it means to walk in God's light as His children. God's love is sin in His forgiveness of sin and willingness to be in fellowship with us. You know, to Pastor Leonard preached last two weeks ago, to walk in a, commandment, a new commandment as we are called to love one another. And just last week, Pastor Isaac preached about to walk as the children of God, for we have the assurance of our identity, not based on how our hearts feel, but what God promises. And this morning, we are going to see what God says in 1 John 4. What does it mean to walk in his love? Let us read 1 John 7-10. to Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. That is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loves us and sent his son as atoning sacrifice our sin. You know church, the fact that God sent Jesus, show his love for us. The writer of this book, John, demonstrated that loving one another is a command, it's a command given to us Christian and we must follow. If we know New Testament, we will know that it contains at least two grand statements on love. You know, and it's commonly used in a wedding, right? You know, like 1 Corinthians 13, commonly used. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is proud. It is not proud. And then it goes on to say that love never fails. And then we also, you know, read about God we loved because God first loved us, which we're going to talk about it today. Just a few weeks ago, you know, we already heard that John related love to firstly the true light that always shines. You know, God is light. And secondly, the demonstration, the walking in new commandment. And now God's loving nature and activity in Christ and so in us Christians. In verse 7, verb this verb, let us love, is used 10 times in First John. You know, John actually began his command to love one another by stating that love has its origins in God. John was not just giving permission or even expressing a wish, but he stating God's command. This beginning of love can be found in the love shown by God. The true nature of love can be found by considering what love means in the activity of God. Here then we see in verse 8, God is love reveals that all God's activity is loving activity. And whatever actions God takes, he does so in love. You know, when Christians express God's love, it means that we have been born of God. It means that we know God and we want and we act like him. We also see that John emphasised his point now by stating the opposite. Those who don't love are the exact opposite of those. You know, addressed in verse 7 here. The absence of love is proof that although one may claim that they know God, the apparent knowledge is not real. One cannot come into a true relationship with a loving God without being transformed into a loving person, isn't it? Why should we be loved? Simply because God is loved and He is the source. In verses 9 to 10, this is how God show his love among us, the coming of our Lord Jesus, the experience example of love. This demonstrates God's own love to us and for us. It is the visible revelation of our experience of God's love. Jesus' coming is how we can see the love of God. In fact, John expressed the uniqueness of God's relationship to Jesus. He sent his one and only Son into the world, You know, in a sense, right, all of us here, Christians, we are God's sons and daughters because of our being born from God. But here, John described Jesus' relationship as one and only. It's a very unique relationship. You know, Christianity is exclusive because in the Bible, it reveals that there's only one way to God. Jesus said, I am the only way. I'm the only truth. You know, and John further expressed, you know, Jesus' actions, as for the benefit of others, that we might live through Him. And as Christians, you and I know that we are loved because God sent Jesus to show us love by providing with only what He can provide, salvation. When we are saved through God's love expressed in the life of Jesus, death and resurrection, we live through Him. You know, John then revealed the nature of God's love and this love, it's not just saying, you know, I love you, I love you, and that's it. This love involves sacrifice. The phrase atoning sacrifice reflect of God's forgiveness of sin. You know, love began not with us, but with God. And we know that we are loved because God sent Jesus. No explanation or definition of love can start without God's love. Indeed, the source of true love is God. God is true love. You know, I was diagnosed with kidney disease while doing a pre polytenic health check into a nursing course. Before I was a pastor, I mean, before I am a pastor, I was a nurse. Then I was only 18 years old. And when then, and my still is kidney specialist, broke this diagnosis to me, I felt that my whole world collapsed from me. Many thoughts came to my mind Do I have to go for kidney dialysis eventually? or even at a young age, because my doctor was telling me, oh, by the age 27, you know, or whoever is diagnosed with this means dialysis straight. You know, or even I asked myself, so now I become my family history. Or even I asked, so do I have to be on medication for life? Remember, I was only 18 years old then. And I remember keeping this to myself because I do not want my family to worry, especially my parents. I do want more to even worry about money. And then one day, right, one day after a while, I actually received a card and also a gift. And during then, right, we, there's no such thing as Firdex, ah, whatever, you know. Don't, don't don't ask me about my age, ah, okay? Yeah, but during men, when I was 18 years old, there's no such thing as furdex and so forth. But so the gift, small gift actually came together with the card inside the envelope. So when I took out a card, it was a card with a picture, it was a shepherd hugging a sheep. And in a card, on the card, it wrote, I love you, my beloved. On the the gift, it was a bracelet and it encraved, beloved Isabella. You know, I broke down that day when I opened the card and I took the gift out. And I knew that it was God thinking of me and telling me that how much he loves me, even though I feel that my whole world collapsed on me. And of course, later I got to know, right, that it was the Holy Spirit who prompted my friend. She was she is staying in Taiwan. And when she walked past a Christian bookstore, you know, God actually prompted her to go in and buy the card and gift. You know, sister and brothers, no other human love will and can satisfy us. Not even our spouses, not even our parents, not even our children. And the list goes on. No, my faith story doesn't end here. You know, I still have kidney disease. And when health gets a bit shaken, you know, when I get a little bit discouraged, I'm comforted by the love of God. I know that I am a daughter of God. I know that God loves me. And I know that I am His beloved. Only the love of God can satisfy us because He is true love. True love comes from Him and He loves us so much that even before you and I are born, he sent his son Jesus to die for all our wrong doings and that includes our diseases. God is true love. You know when is the last time that you experienced or encountered this love of God in your life? When was the last time you sing of God's love and it chokes you or even brings you to tears because you know because you have experienced because you have tasted and you have encountered that God is love. You know, I have my favorite song. I could sing of your love forever and I could sing of your love forever. You know, I can sing and sing and go on and go on and go on because I've tasted the realness of God's love in my life. How about you? Let's go on to read verses 11 to 21. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and His love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in Him and He in us. He has given us of His Spirit and we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his son to be the saviour of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. And this is how love is made complete among us so that we can have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made complete in love. We loved because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God, yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brothers and sisters, whom they have seen, cannot love God, whom they have not seen. And He has given us this command that anyone who loves God must also love their brothers and sisters. Here we see that in verses 11 all the way to 13, you know, it assures us of God's love and indicates how our love for Him should result in our love for others. God's love is evident when we love others as he has loved us. And this structure of verse 11, right, help us to understand its meaning, you know, because it is a conditional statement, as an if then statement. It says here, Dear friends, since God so loved the world, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God and if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. In this case, if the first part of the sentence is true, then the second part must also be true. In the remaining of this verse, John showed his point that since God has loved us, we also ought to love one another. Christians cannot experience God's love and remain unmoved by the obligation to love another person in the same way that God loves us. The basis of our love for one another is God's love for us. In other words, since God demonstrated his love for us in Jesus, the consequences of Christians are unavoidable. You know, we are expected to love one another and this truth is a requirement, all right? It's not a, an option. This requirement will also be presented in this three-part formula with each truth building on the previous ones. Firstly, it's God's love leads to Jesus' action. It's God who sent Jesus to die for us. And Jesus' actions result in our salvation. And our salvation is revealed in our love for one another. Since God so loved the world, we also ought to love one another. How do we know if we love one another? John's statement, no one has ever seen God, is certainly true in the physical sense. Even Moses in 2 Corinthians 3.13, it was mentioned that he only saw God's back and even that has such an impact on his physical appearance because he has to wear a veil, right? Because of the glory of God. However, when people see us loving one another, they see God, they see God in the spiritual sense. Only when Christian love other Christians do they fully understand the love of God in their own hearts and know the presence of God within them? You know, it does not mean the only thing, right, that Christian does is to love one another and that's it. But loving one another is indispensable for us children of God. When we love others, God's love for us extends its full effects in our life and our love for God reaches its full expression. And next, we see that John gives us two answers, you know, for the result of loving others. Because we love others, God is, lives in us. And secondly, his love is complete in us. You know, the word complete refers to being mature and bringing something to a desired end. Jesus used a rel- relatable work in this, his victory cry on the cross. Jesus said, It is finished. It is finished referring to having completed or brought to the desire and this sacrifice necessary for our salvation. You know, while our action cannot complete the act of salvation, we loving each other cannot complete the act of salvation. But our action reflects whether we are living in obedience or not. In verse 14, John then continued his encouragement to all of us to love one another. As one of the pambury ways that Christians can know that they are truly children of God and filled with the Spirit, by this he meant that those who had and have an intimate knowledge of Jesus' life, his death and resurrection, John, in fact, was maybe thinking about then the first-hand witnesses. You know, that's why he says here. In any case, he says here, right? It was we have seen and testified know, what exactly did the apostle then or even the disciples of Jesus witness that were so worthy of their testimony? They have seen and testified that the father has sent his son to be the saviour of the world. This, in a nutshell, the essential of the gospel. I mean, just like what Apostle Paul says, Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and He was buried and He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. Now, this undeniable truth of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection must draw out a response in people who hear it proclaimed to them. John tells us that what that response should be and what effects it should be in a Christian life. He identified a Christian or someone who hears the gospel that the a need to acknowledge that Jesus is the Son of God. You know The salvation process began with the receiving of Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And once a person has accepted Christ as the Lord and Savior, God lives in them and they in God. When a person accepts Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to live in his or her heart and then begin an intimate and personal relationship with God. It is a continuous living, a continuous growing reality in our spirit, if we call ourselves children of God. And then, in verse 16, you know, he affirmed that all of us know and rely on the love of God has for us. You know these two verbs, right? are meant to know and rely are supposed to be one continuous um, action. In fact, the statement should be read as, as we have known and still know and have relied and still relying on the love of God for us. Understanding God's love is the result of us believers relying on who Christ is and what he has done for us. It is not emotional, high and low. And here in verse 17, John then says that when we confess Jesus as our Lord and Saviour, as the Son of God and remaining in Him, it does not only have effect on the present circumstances but also in the future. The result of this relationship is that we can have confidence and have no reason to fear on the day of judgment even though we do not know when Jesus is coming back again because all who put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ can face that day with assurance. Jesus is now alive in heaven and as the risen King. And we can sit in confidence of this love of our Father. There is no fear in love Just because Jesus had paid the price for our salvation and it is guaranteed. And this perfect love drives us fear because true love knocks out all fears and we do not have to fear for punishment on the day of judgment. And in verse 19, you know John wrote that we loved because he first loved us. And that love is not an afterthought of plan B. It has always been plan A, God's design right from the beginning. This amazing truth that we have the world doesn't know. Only we children of God knows. Before creation began, God first loved us. And because of this perfect love, it drives up all fears. So that's why he says that whoever claimed to love God, yet hates a brother or sister, is a liar. Because if we do not love who we can see among us, how can we see? How can we say that we love God who we cannot see? And when we love one another, God's love is revealed in us. Now, no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. And then to further stress the importance of the truth of God, you know, John actually says that the one who loves God must also love his brothers and sisters. Because if we do not, we do not, we are just lying to ourselves. And this is the power of true love. You know, God's love demonstrated that when we love others as He loves us, you know, it always showed the world that this love which we experience, this love that we have is different. You know, the power to love differently, the power... To love when the word says move on and give up. And that's the power of true love because this true love comes from the Lord. You know, most of the times it is easy to love one another in church. You know, the, for the past three weeks, you know, when we, our team is about God is love series, we keep talking about loving each other, loving one another as the new commandment. But I would like to share this with you. How easy. Is it to love our brothers and sisters in Christ in our own blood family? I mean, I know that for, for parents, maybe you would say, of course, I mean, I love my children. Of course, children might say, of course, I love my daddy, mommy, and so forth. You know, but sometimes, sometimes where we quarrel, sometimes argument gets cheated. It's often not easy to love one another. We may be related by blood, by marriage, but let us not forget that in our own family, we are so related by the blood of our Lord Jesus. How easy is it to forgive? How easy is it to love? How easy is it to allow God's love to restore our broken relationship? Broken marriage? How easy is it to for us to allow You know, God returning the hearts of our parents to their children or even the hearts of our children to their parents. And now we move out of our family. How easy is it to love people who are not same lingo as us, doesn't speak the same language as us, or even dress and speak differently from us? How easy is it to love? You know, when our love comes from our gracious and loving God, when the true love of God outflows from our life despite of maybe we are disappointed, we are let down of the expectation, we are hurt, or even we, all the differences, how easy it is to love. There is power in the true love that only we Christian children of God know. The world does not then we can be sure and confident of God's love and His love for us, in us, and through us. And finally, in verses 1 to 6, we need to learn how to discern this true love. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirit to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets had gone out into the world, this is how you can recognize the spirit of God. They are from the world and therefore speak from the world, worldview of the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us, and whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. You know, part of John's purpose in 1 John was to reject all claims made by false teachers. You know, if we see, we always um, realise that John always, you know, referenced these false claims, false teachers with these phrases, such as whoever claims that we can see from the verses that we read just now, whoever claims. You know, false teachers during John's day claim love for God does not mean that Christians must love one another. God, however, through His Holy Spirit, inspired John to reject this false claim. And that is why John wants them to be away from the fact that not every spiritual leader, not every spiritual teacher is a credible teacher. There are people, there are false teachers who are trying to lie to them and deceive them. And they work hard to gain their trust and their allegiance. Here John says, Do not believe every spirit, but trust the spirit to but test the spirit to see whether they are from God. No, b- though both belief and test are calling for, again, continuous kind of action. What's more, the word test means there's this idea of putting something to examination to discover if this is true. So these false teachers, in fact, they are not new to John. They have been there and have been there for a very long time. And John actually um, identified this series of false claims by the false teacher. Firstly, these four teachers claim fellowship with God while walking in darkness is a lie. And then secondly, he says they claim to know and possess the Father while denying Jesus Christ in flesh is also a lie. And here, we read that the false teacher claim to love God while hating others is a lie. They always say that we can love God, but we do not need to love one another. And that is why John tells, instruct everyone to test continuously, to watch and wait, to look and listen, to align, you know, align to what? Align with the word of God, big on the lookout. And this is necessary because in verse 2 to 3, we see that, you know, he become very specific, right? That every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. For faith to be real, it has to be a witness to Jesus Christ. You know, we read in Matthew 7 that Jesus rejected those who call him Lord and do not obey his command. Christianity is only real when we are committed to Christ as Lord and not only that, and live our life in obedience to his word. And in verse 4, John said, you children, dear children, because by writing this, they, they know that we are from God, and John meant that God was the origin of our faith, and the sources that we need. And they and have overcome them. And this overcoming is referring to the false teachers. This action of overcoming is both an already and not yet for us. Already, Christians have experienced some victory in salvation and also becoming more like Christ. However, Christians have not experienced the total victory that we experience at our death or even Christ's return. We can have victory because Jesus has encountered the world. We have overcome because we are from the... God, and we have overcome them. In their context, it was to overcome the teachers. In our context, it's to overcome Satan, the evil one. And finally, in verses 5 to 6, the false teachers with the spirit of Antichrist speak to the same value as the world. So the world listens to them. The world does not listen to the things of God. Because it says that the person without the spirit does not accept the things that comes from the spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him and he cannot understand them. He cannot understand the things from God because they are spiritually discerned. We children are from God and the ministry of the Holy Spirit let us discern the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. And because of the Holy Spirit, we can discern true love, where we examine each other, or even someone's ability to love. The Holy Spirit will empower us to love in a way that God loves us. And how does the Holy Spirit empower us to love? New Galatians five thirteen to 16 says, you, my brothers and sisters, were caught to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh, rather served one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and doubt each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desire of the flesh. One way that the Holy Spirit will empower us to love is we do not indulge or we do not bite each other in slander, in gossip, in judging, but we serve one another through faith in humility. Galatians 5.22 says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Now, the Christian life of God is a supernatural life, It is not produced by human forces and we do not have the resources. In fact, to love one another, to love each other, can be a very humbling kind of encounter. Love to ourselves, we usually do not want to love. But it is the Holy Spirit that enables us. The Holy Spirit is the link between God's love for us through Jesus Christ and our love to each other. He worked in us some supernatural way to bear the fruit of love. So I pray that, you know, as we listen to 1 John 4, let this be our prayer that we will make it our aim day and night. Not about loving each other, but for us to be in tune with the Holy Spirit. You know, brothers and sisters, we are already filled with the Holy Spirit that day when we accepted Jesus as our Lord and Saviour. But sometimes we are not in tune with Him. When we are in tune with the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit in us prone us to do certain things for our brothers and sisters in Christ, it goes beyond our human love. And the Holy Spirit will always align with the Word of God. How has the Holy Spirit been empowering you to love? There might be times we feel fearful to love, uncomfortable to love, And also, maybe too wounded to love. Would you allow the Holy Spirit to teach us and move us to love others? For God is true love. Martin Luther said this, God is loved. These are simple words. But they are words that require faith in the highest degree. Faith against which everything that is not from the Spirit of God fights. Conscious, devil, hell, judgment of God and everything so that we may believe, we may not believe that God is loved and may believe that God is an executioner and a judge. You know the whole the world wants us to know. The evil one wants us to know that we are not loved. But God is loved. Simple words, but it requires much faith. The world concept of love cannot compare with God's love. We do nothing to deserve God's love, but He loves us anywhere. God's love abides forever and He wants us to be sure of His love for us. So, beloved, let us surrender, let us experience, let us taste God's love truly. Let, God, let the Holy Spirit take away every pride, every fear to experience the power of God's love. Let us surrender to the Holy Spirit so that we can walk in God's love and love others in obedience and sacrifice. Now, I want to take, give some time for us you know, to just spend some time with God. Just close your eyes while the worship teams come up. We will close with this song, One Voiced. We often sing these songs to declare our unity in church. But I think these songs also speak about us as a church being united to declare that God is loved. You know The world does not know this love. Only we children of God does. When the world tells us, oh, love, this love is too difficult, this love is too wounded, this love doesn't deserve forgiveness. Give up. The Holy Spirit in us empower us to continue to love and Holy Spirit give us much grace and strength to love one another. That's the love from our God.